Everything is Potable is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know Celtics and NBA ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. The app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Even a moron like Sam Packard, my <laughs> partner, can do it. <laughs> so, so head to the App Store or Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. All right, we're back. This is Anything is Potable, the greatest Celtics podcast ever. I'm Jay King from The Athletic, here with Sam Jam Packard from The Athletic. We have a thrilling Celtics-Cavs game to discuss. We haven't podcasted in a little while, so we're going to go over the Jason Tatum game winner. Got some stuff to talk about Marcus Morris, just because Marcus Morris is the god and we're going to go over some questions from you guys, the listeners. Oh, no, no, no. They're, these aren't questions from the listeners. These are Jam Packard. Uh, Ooh, these are Jam Packard's questions. own questions. <laughs> no. Yeah, these are things I'm wondering about, things that oh. I haven't had answered. Okay, well, that's a good, uh, good place to insert that we want questions from the listeners. So if you guys use hashtag, hashtag potable, two Ds. Extra we, D. Yep. We, Extra uh, D for you and me. Woohoo! The extra D for you and me, but use hashtag potable. Tweet about anything you want, the game, players, appearances, whatever you want, rain and junk, whatever. Hashtag potable. We may include it on the podcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify. Give us a five-star rating. This is our free show. You can always listen to it on the Athletic app without the ads, but this one, for those of you who don't, Subscribe to The Athletic. Well, first of all, you should, but you can still listen to us once a week at least on our free show, which is this. All right, Gordon Hayward, 39 points, 17 for 20 shooting, perfect 17 of 17 from inside the arc. How much should we read into this jam? Is he back? I mean, I was ready to announce that he was back after game one where he was a little bit good. Uh, but that was against a much better opponent. I have no idea how to read into this. This is the Cleveland Cavaliers who are uh, bad, like very, very atrocious. Um, so I don't know. I like the fact that he was aggressive. I like the fact that he, man, he's the best hesitation jumper in the lane in the league I've ever seen. Like he can go to the rim and jump and somehow like stay in air. I like the fact he's aggressive. Scal was doing a great job tonight pointing out how, how much Gordon Hayward could uh, accelerate, but I don't know. He, he got to the paint with ease, which is a good thing, but it's also just like you have to adjust for opponent. And uh, I don't know. He, he had moments like this last year and never really did it consistently. It's nice to see him perform in the first half. That's not something he was doing for a while. Um, but he needs to do this, like, I would say what? three games in a row not necessarily score 40 points but let's get some like a streak of 20 points before we we officially declare gordon hayward to be back 
So I thought the most promising part of it was the Cavs guarded him with guards. And a lot of the time it was Brandon Knight. It was Jordan Clarkson sometimes. It was he had really good matchups, but he just punished them. He got to his spot and he rose up and he hit like a whole bunch of five or six foot jumpers. And that's his was, shot. That's his spot. He's the king of that. He it feels like he could get that anytime he wanted. It is, but like he couldn't always get that last year. And he was creating space. He got like the shot he wanted on his pace on his time frame. And he did it over and over again until he was 17 for 17 from inside the arc. So I, obviously it's it's just the Cavs, but anytime you can get to your spot that repeatedly in an NBA game, it's really impressive. So I'm, <laughs> I was kidding with the, the back stuff, but he's been in control throughout the first six games, I think. And... This yeah. was, like I mean, he was, go ahead. I was just going to say, he like speaking of his first half, second half thing, he has been good in second halves and has been like a very consistent. He was a monster against the Bucs. I thought that second half was maybe the best half he's played for the Celtics. So I, I, you're joking about the back thing, but I mean, it is a, a very good sign for the Celtics that he's consistently scoring points and consistently um, just making an impact on the offensive end. And so, um I don't know. I like it's very good to see Gordon Hayward score that many points, but like if we're talking process over results, we're, if we're talking true Kaizen Warriors here, is this a good game for the Celtics? Like they, their defense pretty much after the first quarter was trash. They gave up a 9 0 run in like the final minutes to basically make this a closer game than it really should be. Like, why? Like the Cavs are bad. Uh, and their defense was just not very good. And so. Is there uh, maybe call me a negative Ned and negative Nancy here after the Celtics are currently in first place, but uh, should they be having close games against the Cavs? Probably not. Uh, One thing that really, really stood out, Tristan Thompson, eight offensive rebounds. He has always forever killed the Celtics, but when they don't have NS Cantor, this is not a good rebounding team. They're small. They've got Marcus Smart guarding Kevin Love in the post, and he did a fine job. But like, and it's cool that you have a guard who can do things like that. But the fact that you need to do that is like you're you're really small. Daniel Tice is not a big center, and playing against Tristan Thompson without Ennis Cantor is going to be tough. And guys like. Tristan Thompson, whoever can just bash them on the offensive glass, there are going to be opportunities for great offensive rebounders against this Celtics team whenever Ennis Cantor is not on the court. That's just fact. And so I thought that was one trouble area. And Tristan Thompson, I mean, he's Tristan Thompson. Though. He's he's so good at offensive rebounding. He's just such a menace. Oh, and he played such a big role, like down the end with those crazy strips too. Like he's for some reason he just kills the the Celtics. I thought it was a an Al Horford specific thing, but he just really seems to uh, dominate on the glass. And especially, yeah, if you're putting Smart uh, on Kevin Love, which Kevin Love didn't do anything tonight. Marcus Smart did an amazing job stopping him. But I don't know. I just felt like the the Cavs. I mean, beyond just second chance points, the Celtics still had struggles stopping just basic offense from the Cavs. And I don't know. It's 
I think their defense has been like Brad Stevens is a defensive coach and he built like kind of it's his bread and butter to build a team on defense. But uh, the, even if you put Canter back in there, that guy's not really known for his being fleet of foot or being a great defensive player. It, I still think there's there. They don't have a consistent center where there's they know who's going to be uh, like the best defensive player to finish out that lineup. So uh, slight cause for concern. I'm glad Kemba was able to kind of like be the big man in the room and pull out the kind of crazy shot at the end. But um, I don't know. It's it, I, I feel like it's going to be 40 games before they figure out what they're doing at, at center for a, a consistent lineup that works both offensively and defensively. I think the Tice Scott is laying claim to some of those minutes. Oh, well, definitely. I mean, he's he's blocking left and right. Five blocks a night, 30 minutes, and sometimes they're just going to have to say, you know what? we're just not going to be good on the glass and we're going to give that up so that we can be smart and agile and switchy and all those things and just go with Tice sometimes. I think they'll do that sometimes. I think they'll play Cantor in closing lineup sometimes. Some quick notes before we get off the game. Jason Tatum, 9 for 11 inside the arc after all his two-point struggles this year. Good stuff from him looking up. Kemba Walker, 25 points. Just a casual 25. Kemba Walker is like, I'm so used to him in this, like going off against the Celtics where he would score like 30 straight points in a quarter. But his past couple of games have been, and especially I think against the Knicks, he had like the quietest 30 points ever. He scores his points. And maybe it's just I'm not used to guys getting to the free throw line. And he <laughs> seems to do that way better than uh, better than most. But he he's just quietly puts up buckets they have been quiet except for like the second half against the bucks the fourth quarter against the hujum what's it's the raptors and but yeah he's definitely had some quiet outings quietly really good outings carson edwards not so quiet came off the bench 13 points i just felt like he needed to see the ball go through the basket and he finally saw that and then he started doing like Carson Edwards things and pulling up in dudes' mugs. Jordan Clarkson, I don't know why he did not put a hand up when Carson Edwards was just dribbling outside of the arc. I mean, why does Jordan Clarkson do anything he does? It's, but, it's, but <laughs> you would think that, that he would put a hand up against the guy who had 26 points in like five seconds against them in a preseason game. But he's Jordan Clarkson. you think Jordan Clarkson was paying attention during that preseason game? <laughs> that is a valid 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 point all right let's start with the jam questions all right these are these are kind of the the questions that um i feel like that haven't been discussed but i'm still uh uh, kind of thinking about them just because you know what i spend way too much time thinking about the celtics but my first one uh, do the celtics have a bench problem no one on the bench can score and i know Cantor's been out i know jalen's been out with an illness that has taking entirely too long to recover from. That being said, I have no idea what he actually has or what his symptoms are. But, you know, I'm a guy podcasting from my couch. I'm going to question the athlete's toughness. But the bench can't score. And is that – it's they're, like, lucky that they have a, a bunch of – not lucky. I mean, they definitely put this team together by, uh, by design. But is that going to be an issue? And what can Brad do to kind of stagger the minutes so uh, – uh, the bench doesn't like hurt this team moving forward. I have three thoughts on that. Ooh, the trifecta. One 
yes, the Celtics have a depth issue, at least when it comes to scoring. Two, that can be a good thing in some ways. None of last year's problems will pop up where too many guys want shots, <laughs> where there are too many mouths to feed, where some some games guys who just don't have it are launching 12 or 13 shots when they have better teammates to throw the basketball to. This year, it's going to be Jason Tatum, Gordon Hayward, Kemba Walker, and Jalen Brown having high, high usage rates and everyone else just fitting in. And that's just how it's going to be. It's going to be leaning on those four guys and Marcus Smart, of course. Um, but they 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 have to do so much. And they have to do so much defensively, too, which is tough. <laughs> These guys are going to be relied on for so damn much. They're going to have to guard the best players. They're going to have to score. They're going to have to be the floor spacers because no one on the bench can really shoot, at least when they have one injury. Uh, I guess Marcus Smart is like, the best shooting threat when Carson Edwards isn't hitting, which is not great. Grant Williams still hasn't made a three in his professional career. But he still shoots the threes because Grant Williams is not a coward. Sorry, that, I just had to. That, that is fair. But, like, the 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 shooting, I think, may be the biggest issue because the Celtics, they just don't have role players who can shoot, except for maybe Carson Edwards if he starts hitting. Other than that, there's not going to be much in the way of shooting role players and Brad Stevens is going to have to figure it out. I think he's going to have to keep at least two to three of the five main guys on the court most of the time, but there are going to be times when he just plays some funky all defense lineups and they're going to just have to get funky. So I think the biggest question for me, and it's been tough to kind of figure this out with um, Jalen being out is how does Brad stagger the minutes to kind of deal with the fact that there's this lack of shooting and who do they put as the primary ball handler when Kemba's on the bench? Uh, in the games Jalen was playing, I noticed that like Kemba and Smart were getting a lot of minutes together. And so I thought like primarily that Smart would be the kind of the primary ball handler. But I don't know, with Gordon Hayward coming back, maybe he's the guy. I don't know. It's just going to be an interesting thing to watch. I don't think there's necessarily going to be an answer now. But it's like what's the best option when Kemba's on the bench? Because they're going to, I think they're going to struggle to score, especially when Brad trots out. Uh, Brad Wanamaker and Shemi Ojale, which brings me to my second question: Why, why, uh, why does Brad Wanamaker? <laughs> I think is the is the okay right now. So that, that's a lot of questions at once. I know, like the 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 rotation stuff was just a hypothetical. Let's focus on unless you got a good answer for it. <laughs> we'll, we'll use this as just advice time to to teach you how to how to do some questions. Ooh, okay. I mean, I'm I'm always looking to learn, you know. <laughs> I just thought the people should know the question you asked of of Brad Stevens the other night after. Oh God, this that? this was in the junk drawer. This that was the Knicks game. Oh, we'll we'll save it for the junk drawer then. No, we can, was... we, no, it's 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 timely now because we're talking about my shitty question asking. So, <laughs> so we're in the post game press conference and Jam requests the mic. As, this is a rare thing. I, I there's so many times that believe me, I want to talk and, and like. And normally, when you when you request a mic, you have a good question. Mm -hmm. Like I'll give that to you. Like you, on the rare times you do it, you normally you're curious about something, and it's it's a smart question. This time, Jam gets the mic, and it's just like Brad. Uh, 
Why? Well, let, me, let me explain myself. Daniel explain Tice myself. occasionally block shots. <laughs> that was not my question. My, basically, Tice had, what, four or five blocks that game. And I wanted to get Brad to talk about Daniel Tice on the defensive end. Because I was like, this block thing feels like a new part of his game. Now, I wanted to avoid the for, like the, the structure of talk about Daniel Tice's defense. So I thought, hmm, what's a different way I can ask this? And I thought, maybe, Brad, if I just asked, like, what makes Daniel Tice a good defender, Brad would, like, go on a long answer. Because sometimes Brad will take a very, very shitty question and give a thoughtful answer to it. Like, he'll he'll know that his responsibility is to, like, be somewhat thoughtful and, like, give an answer. But with me, he just said, uh, he's long and is in good position. And I was just like, oh. Fucking a, <laughs> like. I mean, it was it was an honest answer. It I, was it was a very it was a direct answer to my question, but it, it just you know, made me yeah. really think about ever speaking. And in your defense, that. Tice is averaging four point seven blocks per hundred possessions, and that's entering the game against the Cavs. His career high is two point six. So you're right. You're See, right. That is interesting. And if I had the statistics, I should have asked Brad a better question because it would be that is way higher than before. And it's just why is he so much better at positioning? Did he go to the Kelly Olenek school of positional defense? Who knows? All things I should have asked Brad, but instead I just said, why is he good? <laughs> okay. But anyway, back to the stagger question, which was one of your many questions that you asked in the I'm last full one. of questions. I got so many questions. I think you run it through either Gordon Hayward or Jason Tatum, right? I think Tatum is capable now. Ball handling Tatum? Tatum still can't, like, he's still not great on the gather. Or, like, I know they're running pick and rolls for him, and it's been, like, kind of good, but he's really... Run pick and rolls, get him downhill. He, he can keep your offense afloat when Kemba's off the court, which is really the main goal of having Kemba... When Kemba's on the bench, you just want your offense to survive and your defense to be really good. And if if you run Tatum at point guard or on the ball a lot with Gordon Hayward, maybe Marcus Smart, then it probably won't be that bad. And you don't have to be great, but I, I think I think Hayward should definitely get a lot of those opportunities. I think Smart should maybe be on the court for more playmaking. Maybe throw Carson out there for a little spacing. But, yeah, I, I definitely think Brad just has to keep at least two of his main guys on the court at, at all times. times. Yep. Yeah. That like makes the, sense. You can't have, like, four bench guys or five bench guys. That just doesn't work with this team because there's not enough scoring and shooting on the bench. But that doesn't mean we haven't seen Brad pull it out uh, in the past couple of games. And I know there's been injuries, and but it's always funny to see people just, like, very uh, – very upset when they see Brad Wanamaker and uh, uh, other people on the court. I got more bench questions. Um, Ooh, more bench questions. Oh, the Brad Wanamaker question? The other one you asked. Yeah. I mean, why? He's is, solid. He's he doesn't, not great, He doesn't though. do a lot, but he doesn't screw up. And I think, honestly, I think that's after— all, That's all they want is some guy who doesn't screw up. He, I think in some ways, yeah. Like, run this team through the five best players and have the other guys be able to switch a little bit, which Wanamaker does— and not screw up. And that's what he is. He doesn't have a lot of bounce for a ball handling guard. He doesn't have 
a lot of like he's not going to get you 25, but he's not going to screw up and he's going to give space for the other guys to make plays. And he's going to be rugged defender and obviously like he's not great, but he's not terrible. You can that's trust him. You is. can trust him to be okay. All right. I mean, okay, so that's a good excuse of Brad Wanamaker doesn't make mistakes. That will get me to my next series of bench questions, but this is focusing on the big men. Why does Time Lord still, like, not know how to play defense on half the possessions, and why is he constantly just giving up and once? Because he's waiting for the other half when he will block shots and or just dunk on fools' heads. Like, he's just going for the, like, is it just that? He's, like, just looking for the block every single time? Because no, I don't think so. I, I think, honestly, he, he just feels has, out of position, like, a bunch, where he's yeah, just he not just moving has, his like, feet. Yeah, he has, positioning issues sometimes. And, like, sometimes he just leans in the wrong direction, and a guy goes by him. Or sometimes even he's in the right place, and he just, like, has a brain fart for a moment, and a guy scores. Like, that, I feel like that's just kind of what Robert Williams is at this point. And he still has a long way to go, but I, I think he's had a promising start to the season. Like, he, he's progressed a lot from where he was as a rookie. He's still going to be out of position sometimes. He's still going to give up buckets where you're just like, what is going on? But he also does a lot of fun things. And he always did fun things, but I feel like he's doing more productively fun things now. If that I makes sense. I would say so. I think if he feels like more competent, certainly on the offensive end, like he can pass now. And uh, it's just certainly different to see a kind of the Celtics have a dynamic big who they can actually play above the rim with. Um, but it's the, the thing on defense is because he does the, make these mistakes and it feels like there's like uh there's so much opportunity there if they could have a two way center um, because Tice is, uh, they need someone against bigger, bigger centers and, uh, Time Lord certainly has the, the size and athleticism to do it, but who knows? It's just, it's frustrating to see those mistakes keep happening. But this brings me to my final question Ooh. about the Celtics bench is, uh, is LeGrand Baguette, uh, Vinny sex pants, like sex pants, Dave Vincent, is he any good? He uh, just would, seemed really bad in his, uh, his short stints, uh, in, uh that I witnessed. I would guess probably not based on the short since we've seen and the fact that the Celtics have been without Cantor. They've been without Tice. They've been without Robert Williams one game, at least one game. And he still hasn't really played at all. So I don't know whether that means he's bad. I don't know whether that just means he's slow to, he's been slow to pick up the Celtics system. We haven't seen a lot of him, So my opinions on him are pretty limited, but when he has played, he hasn't done a lot. I, mean, I, I thought I thought he'd have a chance to like play against bigger dudes and give them size at the position that they don't have, especially when Cantor's hurt. But the fact that he's not playing when Cantor's been out is kind of a tough look for Vinny Vinny Bag of Donuts. Yeah, it's uh, it's not great. Um, all right, I got two more legitimate basketball questions, but these are about former Celtics. We got former Celtics questions in here. Oh, Aaron Baines question. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean that's it. Is he the best basketball player of all time? Like, of, is of all it, time? Is DeAndre Ayton doing um that sweet HGH uh gonna mean that the Suns are are back because they're playing so much Baines? Baines screamed the three point misses straight out of his game. He screamed everything out of his game. He's like seriously having the best 
yeah, seven he, game stretch he, of his career. He's been unbelievable. And the Suns are electric to watch. Like they're actually a very league passable team right now. And it's like they've always had Devin Booker being able to score, but now they like, ooh, they have a point guard, Ricky Rubio. They, they, ooh, got they tough, have a competent big. They have like Kelly Oubre. Nice everywhere. Little... Tough bros everywhere. Javon Carter, Baines, Ricky Rubio. Kelly Oubre is becoming someone I appreciate. So I'm all in on the Suns. Yeah, and it's because of that uh, that strong hog and the, they got in the, in the backcourt right there, or the frontcourt. And so I just thought he needed some love too. More former Celtics is Isaiah Thomas back. He got his first start for the Wiz. I'm, I'm sad to say I don't think so. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking. Like I've like, I've been seen I've only seen highlights and like the highlights look like he's kind of good, but he needs a lot of space to get his shot up. He just doesn't have the burst anymore, man. Like when he was his last season in Boston, no one could stay in front of him. Not a soul could stay in front of him. Not even two men could stay in front of him, in front of him most times. And now it's like the fact that he's still producing and producing really well speaks to one how ridiculous a shooter he is and two how smart he is offensively but he just doesn't have all his movement back and maybe he'll get it at some point but getting by people right now is an issue and that has that was never ever an issue for Isaiah Thomas when he was healthy yeah and that's so key to this entire game is like the threat of him getting by you so he can pull up from three like I saw stats uh yo he had a double double he had 17 and 10 but in that game, the it was 165 to 160, so everyone was getting uh, stats. And I don't know. He got a start. I saw some rumblings, but I, I know you uh, you watch and consume more basketball than I do, so I figured I would uh, I would throw that out there. Um, one more question I just thought of uh, uh, before we go to the break. What is your thought? DeAndre Ayton suspended 25 games for using a diuretic. John Collins suspended 25 games for using HGH. What is going on, and why uh, doesn't the NBA just let these guys use drugs? Uh, guys are abusing <laughs> anti-drug policy. Yeah, and I'm here for it. I don't know why anyone at the drug lab has all of a sudden started doing their job. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I, I've always wondered how much of an issue it is. But... But, like, if they're I mean, using HGH, it's just like, oh, so these guys are now stronger or like recovering better. So they're on the court. It just doesn't seem like a, like, I don't know. I'm, I mean, I'm also the type of person who was like baseball was cool when they were all just smacking dingers. And that was dope. So like, <laughs> see, see, I have, I have no clue what the actual like side, of, side effects are, what the actual effects of these drugs are, like what actually changes. So I am not at all qualified to give a real take on it. Other than that, Aaron Baines is taking advantage of his increased opportunity. That is that is my take. <laughs> is your only take on this performance enhancing drug saga? Ooh, talk about performance enhancing drug. <laughs> Talking about erectile dysfunction is not easy. Usually we it just is with it. a transition like that. Boom. <laughs> Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves, saying things like "I lost my mojo." Or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work. Or, sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But talking about 
erectile dysfunction doesn't always have to be hard. <laughs> With Roman, it is easy to talk about it. With a real doctor who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash Celtics and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com slash Celtics to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash Celtics for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash Celtics. I would say it again, but then I would just be repeating myself way too many freaking times. When and you we've think got... about solving your erectile dysfunction, think about anything is potable in the Boston Celtics. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go to Rain and Junk. That's a good segue to Rain and Junk. All right. Let me let me explain this segment for if we have any new listeners. Um, as you may have noticed, I got a lot of ideas. I got a lot of thoughts. I got a lot of observations. And sometimes a lot of questions too. A lot of questions. Um, sometimes they don't focus on everything that's going on on the court. Now, some say I'm diagnosed with attention deficit disorder, but um, and a lot of these observations happen when I'm uh, at the Celtics games and noticing the the dumb uh, entertainment or you know there's a bunch of things going around the game. So. Let's just, uh, it's it's basically just my uh, kooky observations of what's going on um, around the Celtics team. Now, I think the clear thing that has to be uh, observed is that Celtics got a haircut uh, problem. I don't know if it's a problem, but Carson Edwards. Uh, is it a problem? Because Carson Edwards got buckets. He did get buckets, and maybe the Dreads didn't have no buckets in them. But I've his got- excuse, he said it was a pre-draft promise to his mom and that the off day the other day was the first time since the draft he was able to get a haircut that doesn't make any sense uh i mean he should have just said the dreads didn't have any buckets in him. i, I mean yeah it's a good line that's all it would have taken but also did you also notice that he looks like coach carter's son uh i gotta with be honest with you right now i've never seen the movie coach carter Okay, well, you should go watch Coach Carter. And I don't even know if I'm just blinded by the haircut, and it's not even a real comparison. But I, I is swear. It, wait, his haircut's just like a basic lineup. <laughs> like, Google <laughs> Google Coach Carter's son. Just just Google him right now and tell me your initial thoughts on whether he looks like Carson Edwards. Because I think he does. All right. It just says Damian Carter. I'm going to go to Images. Yeah, Coach Coach Carter's son was in like Alley Cat Strike Back or whatever. The, oh yeah, uh, this Disney guy. Channel original, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I can I can see it. Yeah, this guy was in Mad Disney Channel movies. Oh, all right, all right, that's fair. I th- I think seeing that guy in a uh, basketball uniform and now it now kind of makes sense. Yeah, he. Right. Uh, I'll give it to you, Jay. Thank you. I was I actually wasn't prepared for you to agree with that. You know, sometimes like I can be agreeable. I'm not a I'm not a a, a bad guy. Now, what do you think about Semi's haircut? Semi's haircut is fresh. 
That's I don't know. I, I liked I liked the dreads he had before too. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a pro dreads guy, but uh, but I feel like Shimmy is born for like the close crop, you know. Yeah, like, that's true. I feel like like the the big old hair like that doesn't fit Shimmy. Like Shimmy is like quiet. Shimmy is like strong as hell, and Shimmy just goes about his business. And I feel like now his haircut is him, if that makes sense. Like, it just goes about his business. That's fair. He's being true to who he is. Um, yeah. We just got a, a raining junk question. Um, this is from uh, Greg Casoli, who asks, what of the Celtics players is the worst at answering post-game questions? Who's the least entertaining uh, member of this new Celtics team in terms of, uh, you're the, you're a beat guy. You are you're, just need those good quotes after the game. Ooh, um, who do you go to? Now that Mook's gone, ooh. Mook Answer the guy. question, and then you can talk about uh, your your uh, your obsession with Mar- uh, Marcus Morris and his return <laughs> to the Boston Garden. Mook was the god. Uh, the worst. Hayward is Mr. Cliche. Like, if you talk to Hayward alone, he can be good. But Mr. Cliche in a group setting, and especially some nights when he doesn't want to talk, like, he will give you every cliche that's ever been cliched. Jason Tatum started to open up a little bit this season. I have some hope for Jason Tatum because he does have a good personality when he's not talking to the press. But Jason Tatum talking to the press is very cut and dry a lot of the time. Um, Who else? Grant Williams has been a great addition. That guy's just a bubbly personality. Grant Williams is bubbly. Kemba doesn't say much, but he's just like happy. So winning smile. That guy's got a winning smile. He does have a winning smile. Um, yeah, mo- most of the guys. There are a bunch of good guys this year. From from this sa- sounds of it, they've got Marcus Smart. Is they don't have many truth tellers though. Like. I think if a lot of the dysfunction happened again this year, I don't know how much we would know about it. <laughs> that's why you need a guy like Marcus Morris. That's, that's why you need Marcus Morris. He was just a truth teller. He was going to tell you the truth. When, he, when, when he was fed up with his team, he's going to come out and tell you that he was having no fun and that everyone else looked like they were having fun on other teams and he just wasn't, wasn't having fun. So, yeah, Marcus Morris, he just gives it to you straight, no BS. And and what was it like? You got to see him in New York, and then coming back for uh, the game in Boston. It was a uh, how was it for you? You're beaming. You're you're like the Marcus Morris whisperer. Although, I mean, Marcus Morris feels like he talks to everyone, but I do think you do a good job of getting getting some good info. I saw you dap him up courtside. You have a good relationship with Mook. I was I was just mad that he didn't say shit after the game in his post game press conference. That was the biggest upset of the century. Marcus Morris is the king of saying shit. Doesn't matter what type of situation it is. Doesn't matter middle of the sentence, end of a sentence, beginning of a sentence. Just big on saying shit. Sometimes he says shit and you don't even know he says shit until you (laughs) go back and listen to it. But he didn't say it after his duel with Jason Tatum. We got to talk about that, by the way. Tatum, Tatum first game winner. We'll, we'll get to it when we get to the, the Settlers of Catan, uh, the final segment. Believe me. Ooh, good. I'm, I'm glad someone's running the show, and it's you. Yeah. Eventually, I'm just going to take over and become the full-time host, but you're, uh, I'm going to let you uh, let you in on that secret a little easier than just bringing it up now. But um, 
But well, now, yeah, now I just so, fucked up because I don't remember what I was talking about. Well, with the junk no, I'll, I'll, I'll go on about Marcus. Let me talk about Marcus Morris for a little while. Yeah, later. take your space, King. Go <laughs> no, on. Was, I, I thought it was cool to see, like, a lot of times guys come back and not that there's not much love, but, like, guys just, like, wave hello. When he, he was in the locker room, in the next locker room, and, like, employees were coming in. Like, PR guys were coming in to say goodbye. Equipment managers were coming in to say goodbye. Like, I feel like he he had a pretty good connection with everyone, pretty good bond with everyone. He was really excited to come back and see kind of the guys behind the scenes, I guess. Like, he was excited to see all those guys, too. So I, I thought that was a cool moment. And then it was cool, too, that he had the duel with Tatum, who was really like his mentor, mentor protege, while while Marcus Morris was in Boston. Like he took Tatum under his wing from day one, and like said from day one how good Tatum was going to be, how he could be special, all this stuff. And then Tatum hit his first game winner about ten feet from Marcus Morris, right after Marcus Morris hit the game tying three, which was uh, downright. It's just a good old like is that game. If you're a Celtics fan, at least for me as a Mook fan, uh, was probably the the best you could do it because it was a you got to see a little bit of Mook revenge and then you got to go right into uh, that Tatum game winner. I got looking at the things I have written down. I'll just go through them quick. Uh, Gordon Hayward's wife uh, packs for him on every road trip. That's funny to me. Uh, the Celtics went to a, an escape room, and I like to imagine what you would do in an escape room because you don't seem like an escape room guy. I am very much not an escape room type of guy. <laughs> I would be trapped in that room for the rest of time. No, Actually, no. I would just not go in the room. I would have been. You would never the... enter an escape room. Yeah, no, that that ain't for me. Like unless the escape room had NBA League Pass on a screen in the corner, then I'd be cool. What if the NBA League Pass was the reward, so you were motivated to get out of that escape room? What is an escape room? Like, you got to do games and Yeah, it's a bunch of, like, puzzles, and, like, you got to figure things out. It's creative thinking, problem solving, you know. It's like a a less murderous saw. It's like, yeah, it's basically like saw without the actual consequences. Yeah, that, that ain't for me. (laughs) <laughs> I didn't I did not think so. Keep me keep me away from your escape rooms. All and right, your, that's, and your general fun. Yeah, you don't seem like a fun guy. You you're more of a a, a buckets kind of guy. More of a legend. I mean, you throw that word out pretty easily, but sure, we'll go with that. I mean, like let's that's it. That's good my juncture. You have any uh, nonsense observations from the past week of basketball? No, let's let's move to the sellers of Catan. So, for those who haven't listened or weren't listening to the show when we introduced Grant Williams' Settlers of Catan table. This is our segment where we pick the four prime Celtics. I don't want to say best Celtics from the week. but The like four the, most deserving Celtics. The four most deserving Celtics who get to play a fictional game of Settlers of Catan with Grant Williams. See, there's another thing you wouldn't do. You wouldn't play Settlers of Catan. You're not like a leisure guy. One of these days, we're gonna. I'm gonna play Catan with you. Hopefully, with Grant Williams too, and you're not gonna like it at all, and but, it's gonna be fun. But here's here's the thing: if I did escape rooms, I'd be the best ever at it. No, if I no, you wouldn't. Catan, you'd be bad would at be both. You'd be no very bad. I don't think you understand how clever I am. And I do. I've I've podcasted with you for multiple years now. <laughs> how much of an ultimate genius I am. Says the guy who uh, had the shot clock expire at the media game. You, you, I've seen you perform, and 
being an ultimate genius is not the way I would describe that. Fair. My pickup game's coming back though. Oh, is the knee is the old man knee not acting up anymore? Yeah, I've, I've been working it out. I've been I've been rehabbing. You you may be in a lot of trouble. I but, mean, you're already better than me. I just like to talk a lot of shit, but uh, but that's neither here or there. Let's get to the katana. Let's talk about the number one guy, the most obvious guy, the guy who hit the game winning shot over R.J. Barrett. Uh, young Jason side, Tatum, young sideburns himself, deuces, daddy. Papa I mean, ooh. Maybe you're a nickname guy, but let's like that was that he's been good and hitting the game winner. His first game winner uh, was mighty impressive. He felt a lot of Paul Pierce comparisons, both with the shot and, you know, Mike Gorman was saying that, too. But Mike Gorman uh, has a tendency to say some some outlandish things. But I was I was truly stunned how much space he was able to create with just like a simple footwork move. Like, he, he created a silly amount of space and separation for that shot. And that's kind of what Jason Tatum does, I guess. But when everyone screams, like, don't be like Kobe, first of all, it's stupid. Because if Jason Tatum became Kobe Bryant, the Celtics would be extraordinarily happy. But second of all, the all the mid-range skills that everyone claims is useless. And to some extent, like, he Tatum had to change his habits, of course. But all that stuff is super useful in key moments like that when the defense is going to be honed in and you just have to make a move and create some space and drain it. And all the best late-game players have everything in their bag, and Jason Tatum has a lot in his bag, and that was just another reminder. Yeah, and like the elite players can hit mid-range shots. Like That is something that the the best players will be able to do. It's And Kevin... Kevin Durant is like one of them. He's not only taking threes. He one of the big things that make Kevin Durant so deadly is his ability to just knock down shots from anywhere. And I don't want to say Jason Tatum is uh, like approaching Kevin Durant levels, but he's a very tall guy who can pretty much, especially if he's getting space like that, get his shot off at any time. And so in late game scenarios, that is quite good. The thing that's good, at the, like why Jason Tatum beyond um, just the game winning shot is, is the first. Catan player today is, is he's been he did it against the Bucks too and he's been knocking down threes he had a number of clutch shots where he actually ended up high-fiving Paul Pierce uh right after it but he's just been good uh shooting from for pretty much the entire season and it's um it's been a, a nice progression I still want to see him finish around the rim more he's gotten back to his gathering of not being great but his shooting has been damn good facts next guy Obvious, Gordon Hayward. Yeah, I was going to say second half Gordon Hayward only, but then he scored 39 against the Cavs. And, yeah, then uh, he went for 22 points on perfect shooting in the first half against the Cavs. So we're going to put Gordon Hayward on there. Full full half Gordon Hayward, all half Gordon Hayward. Yes, full half Gordon Hayward. <laughs> <laughs> now, third is where it gets a little tricky, I feel like. Well, see, here's the thing with Kemba being so quiet. Like, the guy scored 30 points in three straight games and has, like, hit very big shots. But he kind of just did stuff you expect from Kemba. And that's why we we got we had to set the guidelines as just most deserving. That's fair. Because if a dude just does stuff you expect from the dude, then... You got to exceed expectations if you want to get a seat at the table. Now, here's... Okay. I still think we might have to put him on. Well, let's debate the other options because... I want to throw Carson in there. No, no, Carson was has been, had one good game. I I think the, the next the next guy is 
And it's kind of tough because this is exactly what we expect him to do. But Marcus Smart completely changed the energy in that uh, Milwaukee Bucks game. Like he, that was pretty much, it just felt like him being able to guard Giannis, being able to guard people like Kevin Love. I don't know. It just felt like, and that's what he does. He makes winning plays. But uh, when you are the guy who kind of felt like, like it felt, felt really felt like he spearheaded the comeback against the Bucks, And for that, well, I think I'm- he's somewhat deserving. I didn't realize the Bucks game was part of this, but yes, if the Bucks game counts, Marcus Smart, faux show. Oh, I think it counts because it came after the last time we did this, did it not? I guess it did. Therefore, it counts. Marcus Smart, welcome to the Sellers of Catan table. Do you think Marcus Smart, if he was out of the Sellers of Catan table, would just call everyone else nerds? Yeah, that sounds about right. I did talk to Grant Williams about uh, Settlers Catan, uh, first game of the season. He says he has not played with any of his teammates, which is not surprising. That's not think, at all surprising. I think most most Celtics players, other than Grant Williams, would call someone nerds for playing. But they, they went to an escape room, though. They did, but that was like more of a team bonding. Do you, do you think Grant was the one who organized that? Like, guys, let's let's go to the escape room. No, but he was. I, it was the new um, director of player development who organized it. But Grant was immediately named team captain, which I think is a smart move. Team captain of the escape room? Yes. They have team captains of the escape room? Well, apparently you weren't watching the broadcast where Abby Chin gave us a, a full breakdown of the escape room where they the Celtics team broke into two separate teams to compete who could escape the room faster. And whatever team Grant Williams was on, which that team ended up winning. I'm not surprised. Captain. Winning no. plays, even in the escape room. You, yeah, he's a heady player. <laughs> Kemba's got to be the fourth, by the way. I'm just looking up and down the roster and – it's not Tice the Blocks Machine? No. Kemba had 30 points twice and 25 points in the other game. Like, what are we even doing here? How are we? How is that even borderline? Well, be, yeah, that's the thing. It's it's not like Kemba was well, went above and beyond. It's just no one else stepped up. And, and he's having 30 against the Bucks, leading the comeback. Having 30 against the Knicks, leading the close win. He had 25 against the Cavs. Hit that big old. We should we should put him on there just for that step back three he hit against yeah, Kujimu. Yeah, I mean, I was I was gonna put him on there, and then you were the one getting all. Um, yeah, I, I I didn't realize the Bucks game was on it. So, Kem, right. Kemba's Kemba's there. That's fair. And that's that's the the foursome for yeah. the Settlers of Catan. That's quite a quite a foursome. Like the the only <laughs> by far the four best players. Yeah, that's what it's just going to end up being every week. They're just going to name the the four of those five guys. I feel like Carson, if he has a couple of good games, Grant, Grant, if he makes some winning plays, like Robert Williams, I feel like he might have a couple games. Ennis Cantor will always have a shot because he's going to be a double-double guy. He's back. He's back, baby. Looking for a big game from Ennis against the Hornets. So I feel like there will be other candidates. This just wasn't the week. The the four guys who do most of everything for the Celtics were the four guys who deserve to be on the list. All right, fair. We've settled everything. I've asked all my questions. I've gotten all my junk out there. I, we settled the Catan table. Um, I'm all out of takes. I'm all out of takes, too. Everybody, go follow us on iTunes or Spotify. You can listen to all our episodes on The Athletic if you subscribe, which you should. That's it for this episode. We are Anything is Potable, the greatest Celtics podcast ever.
Anything is possible!